Thank you for listening to the Football Index Club Daily Podcast. This podcast is designed to provide you with a brief update on what's going on in the Football Index stock market every single day. To improve your returns even further, then check out footballindexclub.co.uk where you will receive instant access to highlighted players, trading advice, databases, and also analysis on the players of your choice. You can use code PODCAST50 with a capital P to receive 50% off your first month. Hello and welcome to episode 173 of the Football Index Club Daily Podcast. In today's episode, I am joined by Kevin of Football Index Moneyball. So how are you doing today, Kevin? Doing well, mate. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Loving the weather at the moment. Um, So how have you found Football Index over the last few weeks? Because there's been quite a big shift, I'd say, in the mentality of traders and there's not been so much movement in the market due to the matching engine's introduction. Yeah, I, I found the same, but to be honest, like there's definitely been a huge shift in my trading style. I've I've not paid the buy price for a player since the matching engine was introduced because especially for my long-term strategy and my value strategy, it actually suits it perfectly and there's no need for me to buy someone at buy price because I don't care if the price if it takes me 2 weeks to get in on a player that I'm after, it doesn't really matter too much. Yeah, definitely. Have you been picking up some players then over the last few weeks? Yeah, I've, I've managed to get some good ones. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I've been getting well, I've been getting quite a few bids matched eventually and getting some really good discounts. Some players I don't mind paying, like Manier. I've, I've topped up on Manier and, and I only probably saved about 3%, but it's better mm-hmm. than paying the buy price and it went through in like 24 hours, so that wasn't too bad. Yeah, but, yeah. that's... Uh, Decent, decent move. He's started to get some more game time again now, hasn't he? He's hit some huge PB scores in the past, so I can certainly see why the demand would come in for him. I think that's a good lesson, really, in patience, just in, just in general, for a player like him. And if you are willing to to hold someone who's hit those high peak PB scores throughout that period of time when they're not playing, once they do start playing again, the chances of them increasing in price is pretty high, I'd say. Yeah, and I actually, because I tipped him quite early in the season, and he won, I think he won a star man and then maybe a gold bay top forward or something like that. But um, I sold out when he was about £1.50, I think, or 144 I think it was. So I'm just getting, I, I kept to like three 400 and now I'm trying to build the position back up while he's relatively cheap. Because I think he's not played that much this year, and I think he's either going to move in summer or they're going to lose some other players and get more game time, hopefully, so... Yeah, he could be a decent shout. Um, we'll see what happens with that. I think with the matching, it's one of the hardest decisions is probably whether you just buy them at the market price or put a bid in. I'd say 99% of the players on here, you're probably going to want to just put a bid in and be patient. And then maybe increase your bid over time if it doesn't get matched for a few days or weeks. But one player who I put a bid in quite recently for was Oscar Rodriguez. And that was quite a stupid bid in hindsight because it was just after he scored an absolute belter of a free kick. I put a bid in about 5p below the market price, just hoping to get him a little bit cheaper. As at the time when I put a bid in, his spread was quite wide. And then only a few hours later, his price would be shot up 5 or 6p. So I was definitely on the right lines with thinking of buying him after that goal. But sometimes you do have to be very decisive and just go for it. And I suppose that's one of the hard parts now of the matching engine. Yeah, I think with the top end players, I probably would be more keen to pay the buy price, but that's just not the kind of players I buy really. But yeah, I agree. If, if you're going to buy someone in play, like if you 
I always remember there was a time when uh, Argentina played a game at like two, three in the morning and Lataro Martinez scored a, a hat trick. But because I'm in Canada, obviously I saw it. So I instant sold and bought him. That would be the kind of thing I would be paying the buy price on. Because yeah. I feel like there's going to be a shift in price in the next like 24 to 48 hours. So yeah, yeah it's a good example of when you want to just bite the bullet and pay the full price. Yeah, definitely. But as a, as I was saying there, about like 90, 99% or so of the players, um, the traders are probably going to be putting in match, matched uh, bids for, well, they're going to attempt to get matched bids. The problem is in the minute, there's so many players who just aren't moving in price. And there's been a lot of concern on Twitter about this. What's your thoughts on this? Just Just be patient. Yeah, I think there's this just I saw someone else post this and just say there's always cycles, people saying, you know, things are gonna boom and then things do go up and then if if things stagnate, they get scared and they get worried. And I think maybe the rise of footstock has caused some people to be a bit more concerned. But I, I think footstock's going down as well at the minute, because I just have like a small portfolio there just to keep keep an eye on it. Mm. But yeah, I'm not really worried. I think that summer's where everything's going to really take off. And, and there's also the fact that the German league ends next week. The French league's not starting until next September. And we don't know what's going on with the transfer window yet. I think once the transfer window opens, that's when people will probably start trying to look to move their money from some of the PB holds into you know potential PB for next year or transfer holds. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of general uncertainty in the market. You've got the season ending, um, and then there's also uncertainty over the PB, MB changes, future dividend increases. Adam Cole's Q&As recently, have you heard any of them or taken much interest in those recent Q&As, either Figs or the one on Twitter? I actually didn't listen to it, but I did kind of get the gist of some of the stuff he'd say. Um, it was... I think some people would be worried about it. If you're trading based on the growth of the market, then it would be slightly more concerning than my style and your style probably where it's more, I try and buy players who are going to grow as footballers and get better opportunities in the future. So if everything else stayed the same, they'd probably still increase in price. But yeah, I think I think that could shake the top end of the market a bit. Um, but it doesn't seem to have because the top end seems to be booming really. Yeah, it's been a weird one. I think the top end is doing well because football index tend to be, or Adam Cole at least anyway, just seems to be very focused on that area of the market. And when he talks about bringing in sort of high net worth individuals, and he also, I think he did mention in that podcast how their sort of main interest is really on the top 500. Um, he didn't really seem to care so much about the players below there, uh, below that top 500 threshold. Um, also, inflate dividends. They kind of just said that they're going to stay the same, but they're not. They didn't really hint at those inflate dividends increasing. Um, so I suppose the lower end in terms of value, you've just got to pick the right players, but there is going to be a lot there who are going to remain remain very stagnant now and I think a lot of traders there was a lot of traders on football index who would just buy in and out of those easier sort of lower price players who could quickly go up and down and I know you've sort of traded like that a little bit in the past but nowadays I suppose your focus is more I'm right in thinking it's just kind of longer term uh, yeah I, I guess a good way to summarize my strategy is finding players who have big spreads right now who I believe are going to at some point in the future be more of like a flavor of the moment and the spread will close up. Um, not that I usually instant sell, but I just think that say 
if you buy a young player who's not playing very much, they might have a 40% spread right now. But if they get into the team, they could potentially double in price and then the spreader will close as well. So it's like you get you benefit twice effectively. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, I don't really think people are considering how you can actually profit from just the spread tightening so much because that is a trading strategy now. There's no doubt about it. You can make good money from that. I mean, I did it with Saeed Ben Rahman not long ago. Um, that was actually prior to the transfer speculation that he's gained more recently. But I bought him at like £1.56. And I think his price stayed pretty much the same. But then his spread actually decreased. So I don't know, like pound eighty or whatever it was. And then I sold him and it was a nice, easy profit. So that's definitely an option for traders to make money. Maybe there's not so much of that going on at the moment. Um, I suppose the other thing which people are a little bit concerned about is possibly um, IPOs coming in in a few months. That's something that could maybe have an impact. So there's just a few things which is maybe putting people off. There's just general uncertainty in the market. But overall, yeah. are you still pretty confident in things then? Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I always said to people, like, if they can get through the coronavirus kind of impact of no football for so long and no one knowing what was going on, then I feel like they can get through anything. And I think Adam Cole's strategy might be correct. Like, you might lose a few kind of small ball people who were never really that into the platform anyway, but get annoyed with some of the changes. But I think anyone who's got any serious amount of money in is going to be happy that the kind of trying to think smart like business strategy wise because they have to make money for us to be able to continue playing so and i do think that it's maybe we're reaching a point that's always was coming where you have to be a little bit more strategic to make money and it's not just about buying anybody and the whole market goes up over time so yeah and that i didn't think that would come so quickly and i still don't think we're really there but i think we might have hit a period now where it's going to seem that way for maybe two, three months while, or maybe it depends when the transfer window opens, I guess. But yeah, it might be that the kind of prices, the money just goes from one player to another player rather than people putting lots of money. Because at the same time, coronavirus is still going on. The economy is still struggling. People are still out of work. So the chances are there might be some people who can't afford to put as much money in as they used to. So Yeah, I'd say the main thing really is just, and you've touched on it here, is that the sort of soft money is going to be coming out. The money that goes in and it stays in a play for a week or two, that money isn't really going to go into plays as frequent as it did in the past. Um, there was one player who I did a play review on very recently called Enas Uno. Uh, I don't know if you know much about him, but he's at Valladolid on loan from Villarreal. And I was just looking at his PB scores and they were absolutely atrocious. He'd scored five goals this season, all against teams in the bottom three. Um, but his price had hit a peak of 78p not too long ago, a few months ago. I think it was during the bonus period. And he's the classic type of player that traders will maybe take a punt on. And there'll be a lot of soft money going into as he gets pumped on social media and so on. And players like him, who don't actually have very much intrinsic value, aren't going to earn dividends, might earn him play dividends maybe once a month or so, but aren't really going to challenge for match day dividends very often. I think they become pretty worthless. And I think that's the main difference in the differentiation that needs to be made about the lower price sort of area of the market is it's not that all players within the lower end are now less attractive or less valuable or anything like that. It's just that the players who have less intrinsic value are going to be neglected even more because the type of people that Football Index are going to start to attract 
are probably going to focus on value even more. So there is value players within that lower end of the market, um, which I'm sure me and you are going to continue to pick out and make great returns on. So I suppose it is just about being more strategic, as you've said there. And um, I suppose people are just going to have to push up on their football knowledge even further. Yeah, I think I think the main thing is that now, because when I started buying the lower end players, I didn't expect them to really rise in price until they became good players. But but in the last year, it's changed to be that like young players just by being like getting one game or just having the name in a paper or if if there's a pump on Twitter, like things like that can make a player's price rocket in the short term when nothing really has changed in their situation. So yeah. I think that that might slow down a bit and it might be that now you actually have to wait for them to get the chance in the team if you want to make money on them, which is more long term, which again is going to, I think that's going to make it so that the bids are going to be more successful because people will lose patience. So it just, it really complicates the things a lot, but I actually think that it makes it far more interesting from like a game theory perspective. Yeah, definitely. And those players who don't actually cut it, they're probably going to remain stagnant even longer and they're going to have widespread and it's going to be difficult to get out of those players. So it just becomes even more important to pick the right players and pick the right young players because I think in the past on Football Index over the last few seasons, you could pretty much pick any young player and they're going to rise in price. I mean, I picked Anthony Gordon when he was like 15p or something. I've probably banged on about this before, but... Um, and he's risen like a huge amount, but I had no idea that he was going to end up playing against Liverpool uh, in like the Merseyside derby a few seasons later after me buying him um, at that silly uh, low price. And there's another player like Ryan Tullock, and he plays for West Brom's youth side. And I've sort of been monitoring him a little bit over the last few seasons. I went to watch him play, um, I think it was in the FA Youth Cup against Man City when I lived in Manchester and he did, he did look good. He looked, he looked a decent prospect but overall he's failed to even get into their first team really in a championship game this season. His price is still around 90p or something like that last time I checked. So it is a really high price for an unproven player and it's the same with Anthony Gordon. So I think some of those players who have really high prices but their sort of circumstances haven't really changed um, in terms of their potential to earn match their dividends I suppose you could argue Gordon's has changed but if they don't actually break through and make it, that's when it becomes a little bit of a concern. So I think a lot of people will be holding back and waiting to see if these young players do end up making it. So I guess kind of scouting and watching these players even more could longer term actually become even more important to the platform, especially once we do have more IPOs and there is a, just a full-on database of young players, which I hope there is one day, and then hopefully football knowledge will actually become even more important because that's what I kind of wish the football index was more about. And I feel, I feel like over the last six months or so, it's kind of gone less towards football knowledge because all the young players are already at high prices, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It actually, um, I, I was just looking at the price of Anthony Gordon and it was just making me think that this perfectly shows what we talked about in the past about things being priced in. So mm -hmm. this is a player who never played for Everton. And like you say, you bought him at 15p and he's gone up like 10x since then to over like £1.80. And then he, he starts in the derby against Liverpool and he only rises 9p. So he, he all his gains came before he'd even got on the pitch. So it was nothing to do with his quality or even the, the chances he was getting. And now that it's happened, people probably expected that if you'd have bought in at £1.80, you probably thought when he started against Liverpool, oh, I'm going to be making a fortune here. But really, 
the price already accounted for him playing for the first team at some point. So now nothing's really changed and he's just gone up 9p. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to be so careful. And I think looking at players' price graphs really help. One addition I've added to Football Index Club lately over the last few months has been a price analysis. And in that, I go over their price movements throughout a year. And I don't really think in general throughout Football Index that is talked about enough because you have people talking about, I remember Gnabry the other month on Twitter, people were saying, uh, it's going to hit £5 plus soon. Um, and there's a bit of a meme about that on Twitter lately. But... Uh, people are kind of pumping players who had already risen 40% in a month. And I think that can always be a dangerous thing to do because does it, if they've already risen 40%, is what you're anticipating already built into their price? And I guess that's the main thing to really consider. So you have to look at players and whether their circumstances are going to actually improve. But not just that, has their price already increased based on that speculation of that improvement in their circumstances? Some other analysis that I've been doing very recently and that will be all over Football Index Club over the next few days and weeks for premium members is actually looking into players' performance changes and how they how their PB scores have improved throughout the season. Because one thing I found really interesting was that the players whose PB scores had improved um, throughout the season, pretty much all of them had increased huge amounts. Those players who had not improved throughout the season had dropped, apart from Martin Odegaard, pretty much, and Stuart Serdar, he was one as well. Um, and it kind of shows how you got to look into the data even further and look into the context, because Odegaard had just been pumped all over Twitter over the last few months. And yeah, he could be a great talent, but again, it was already priced in that he was going to do something special. But his PB scores actually throughout the season had actually got considerably worse. Yeah, and I think that's probably a more of a team thing as well, though. Like Sociedad have been struggling a little bit more, especially since they came back. I know they've only played a few games, but yeah, I definitely think you're right. And that's one of the good things about buying young players is they, they do seem to have a moment where things change for them. And uh, or they, but they could go on. This is the other thing I suppose it highlights is that it's not always going to last forever. Just because a young player is having a good spell of football doesn't mean they're not going to regress and go back to some poor PB scores for six months. Because it's it's pretty normal for a twenty twenty one year old to not play at peak level all the time. Yeah, definitely. One player who I did another play review on today. I'm spanging on about football index club getting the getting the bumps in there, but uh, plugging that. But um, Tom Davis, I mean. I had a look at his statistics. This is his fourth season now for Everton. He started playing in the 16 to 17 season and I think it was on his debut or one of his first games. I remember very well watching that match of the day when he went on that fantastic run. I think it was against Man City. Or some of a really strong Premier League side, I'm pretty sure. And he cut inside and he's done a one-two and he's finished it off and he just looked amazing and everything was going right for him and that was when he was like 17 but since then over the last four seasons his performances have not improved one bit so that is going to happen with some young players as well and that is something that you have to be very aware of I suppose. Yeah I think people bring that up a lot but sometimes I think one of the examples they use is Bojan at Barcelona like how much would he have been when he was 18 or 19 whatever he was when he broke into the Barcelona team. Yeah, boy, Boyan, I remember. Uh, ended up at Stoke, didn't he? Yeah. Absolute shocker. There, there is some like that. I think another thing to consider is how regularly they are playing and the sample size. Because with Odegaard, he hadn't actually played that many PB games. And I don't want to, like, talk Odegaard down because I actually really do rate him. And, I mean, his vision is incredible. But it's more of a case of 
is this data worthy of me then buying him at like £4.70 or whatever he ended up at at one point um, because the sample size wasn't really that big. And it's like the same with players who um, aren't actually playing consistently well but are quite a bit younger. If they just have a few games that can fly up. So like Gabriel Martinelli, he hit a PB score of 280 once this season. And I reckon his price is probably... 10 or 20% higher just due to that one PB score. But if you have a look into the data and you look into the context of that PB score, he provided five key passes in that game, right? But in all his other games, he's not hit. He's not, he's not provided more than two key passes. Like, that five key passes was way above his average and it was against a really weak side in the Europa League. So, is he going to do that again? Maybe, but overall... I wouldn't really look into that PB score and think, ah, he's definitely got potential now to hit high peak PB scores in the future just because he's hit it once against one weak side. Yeah, I think, like, young players, that's just how it goes. It it just doesn't make sense, the market for young players, which is why it's so hard to predict, other than just thinking, oh, they're young, they're probably going to go up if anything happens. That's the only real strategy I have for young players is, like, if they do well, they're going to go up. If you get transfer, they're going to go up. If you get linked with a big club, they're going to go up. So if I think those things might happen, then potentially I would invest. And I think the, the, the best example of how you would expect the market to work is players like, I'm just looking at the top 200. So like players like Ericsson, Kostic, Berardi, like Insigne, Immobile, like those are the players who people know how good they are and their prices move based on their form and based on any like transfer links and stuff. And it seems like, there's, there's like the very top of the market and the bottom of the market that sometimes can be like completely unrelated to what's actually happening in the real world. But, but if, you, if you look at them, that's what I expect it to be like one day once kind of all the money is in the market and it's, it's almost at a point where some people are withdrawing, some people are adding, but there's not like a big growth in the total amount of money in there. Yeah, I think I get what you're saying there. Um, so you're saying that you think in a few years' time that the prices will reflect, like, basically how good the players are in real life? Yeah, eventually. And I think there'll always be certain young players who get priced at levels which are above what they're at now. But I think right now the young players are being priced at what they think a good player will be worth in three or four years rather than what a good player is worth now. Yeah, I suppose the anticipation of the platform growing and the dividends increasing probably weights very highly on traders' minds. And I guess it is a betting, it's a gambling platform. People are going to have want to go for those ones where they are maybe 10 to 1 odds uh, type bets where they have a chance of ending up being uh, ending up at a really high price. People see people uh, buying Sancho like 50p or whatever and getting him to... Fourteen pounds, or even me just talking about like Anthony Gordon. There, I mean, I sold Gordon way too cheap, but uh, there is possibilities for a play to rise ten times. So, I suppose at the minute, people are going to be more likely to go for the younger players who could rise like ten times in the next two or three seasons. Where someone like Immobile or even Berardi, they're probably not going to rise as much just due to their age, really. And they're not even that old, um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just there's far more there's far less unknown information, so your bet's much more predictable and much safer, but your returns are also more predictable and much safer. So I guess, yeah, but that is what makes it interesting, isn't it? The, the fact that young players can start playing and they can rise so fast. It's, as someone who owns that player, it's very exciting when it happens. 
and the potential for it to happen with any of the young players is what keeps people investing in. Absolutely. And I think a dividend increase has a big influence on those younger players' prices. I personally think there does need to be a dividend increase. I know Adam Cole didn't really fit us up with so much optimism that there would be one. But I do think that it is needed um, and I do really hope that we do have one this summer. Do you think there will be one um, and do you think there needs to be one as well? Um, I don't really know. I guess I probably disagree with you there. I don't think we need a dividend increase. I still think there's good returns from the top end players. Uh, it, it's all dependent on what their finances are like, really. And if it makes sense for them to increase it based on how much money they're making and the stagnation of the market. Because they could have put that last increase in with an eye on, okay, we're going to try and stimulate growth to a certain point. And if mm. we hit that point, then we'll reassess. And if they're not at that point yet, then I guess they can't just increase dividends and lose money, if you know what I mean. So I guess I, I, I'm confident that they're going to manage it kind of well and and it's kind of they're in it's in safe hands and i think if they don't increase it it's for a reason i don't think it's just because they're being greedy because they're definitely focused on growth rather than profit right now yeah i suppose the key thing is that football index's finances are stable and with the introduction of the nasdaq technology and all of the other introductions which should uh, sort of follow with that they do kind of just need to make sure that they have the sort of solid bases down first but at the same time, I would say that a lot of players' prices are now actually built up on the speculation of a dividend increase. And I think there will be a bit of a dip in the market if there isn't a dividend increase. But overall, I would actually expect them to, to increase the dividends. So I really hope they do. I'd actually be a little bit disappointed if they didn't. I've not really complained about so much over the last few months or in these podcasts at all. But I think if they didn't increase the dividends, I would be a little bit disappointed overall in the platform. I think there'd be a lot of traders who would be as well because overall, throughout the last, well, since the start of the season, since they last increased the dividends, the prices have gone up such a huge amount. And I suppose that's partly due to them increasing the dividends. So it is sort of fair enough. But at the same time, I think some of these prices now can't really be justified. And you would think that I think it's really sort of important to remember is just that we are expecting higher returns because the risk is so high. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's so risky, but we are putting our money into a gambling betting platform. So with that being said, you would expect higher returns and I think you need dividends to, to I think I think you need dividends to increase to, to really justify the risk that we're taking. That that's my opinion on it for now anyway. Um, yeah, I think I know what you're saying. I'm, I think the only I think that's true for the top 200, that the prices are probably high for the dividends. But I think if you look anywhere outside of the top 200, the prices versus dividends makes the dividends look very generous. Yeah, you're right. If you pick the right players, I mean, me and you spending a lot of time on here. I'm sure a lot of listeners are spending a lot of time on here as well. So hopefully we're all picking the right players. And if you do pick the right players, I completely agree. The dividend returns are going to be insane and the players' price is also going to increase but i'd say the majority of players are actually worthless on here and not just that but the top 200 as you say a lot of them now probably there's still good value i mean don't get me wrong like you're looking like 10 percent returns on a lot of them especially like the media players but i personally think the match day dividends probably need to increase and the, the in-play dividends as well Maybe I'm being a bit biased here. I don't know. Maybe that's just me pushing my sort of agenda towards the player performances. But 
that's what I'd like to see. I also think because over the last few months we have had so much media, it would be nice to see the players who are playing more regularly kind of be rewarded through good performances just because for such a long time we have had so many players earning media dividends. And I guess the play, the games are on now, so you, you can't complain too much. But it's just one of those. I think the community on, on Twitter and social media would just kick off if they didn't increase the dividends this year. So I think they sort of need to in, in many ways. But it is going to be a difficult one. It is going to depend on their finances ultimately. Yeah, I think the, the one area I would think would be good to increase would be possibly increasing maybe the silver and bronze days i think gold day star man is a good return 16 oh yeah yeah um, but i think like if you win just top forward on a bronze day that's kind of crappy if you you know if messi wins top forward on a bronze day then two p's nothing really is it yeah i suppose that, that's a good point you're gonna need um I, th- I think if you increase the bronze and silver days that kind of give some of those lower price players maybe a better opportunity because on a gold day they're very rarely going to earn dividends but if you've got like a single fixture you're going to see those players rise in price a little bit in anticipation for possibly earning dividends we've seen that throughout the whole season so you are just going to need something to sort of stimulate that end of the market I think increasing the bronze and silver days is actually a really good point I completely agree on that I think the gold day payouts are very generous they're, they're unbelievable 16p isn't it for the star man um, but yeah, anyway, I think we'll wrap it up here. We've talked a fair bit about the matching engine and um, just our thoughts on the market at the moment. Sounds like you're still very positive about everything, which is really good to hear because there's been a lot of negativity throughout social media at the moment. But you're focusing on your longer-term strategy, picking up the value via the matching engine, a terrific way to go about things. Final question then, have you struggled to sell, sell anyone? Because that seems to be a big issue for people at the moment. Uh, actually, I've I've sold quite a few. I've done all right. Anyone? Have, there's there's maybe a few that are still in the sell queue, but it's taken a while. But I don't really. Again, I'm not really in a rush. Uh, whenever I've tried to exit positions, though, it's it's gone through in decent time. Like there was actually a situation where I sold Muller, and then I put a bid in and bought him back for like ten percent discount within like twenty four hours. Oh, class. That's what we like to hear. Good trading, as ever. Uh, nice one, Kevin. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, as always. Do we really appreciate it. Hopefully, you'll come on next week as well. We'll have a catch-up and see what's going on. But uh, any final words? No, just good luck to everyone. And uh, don't if, you, if you're kind of new to the platform and you're getting discouraged by all the negativity on Twitter, I'd just turn Twitter off and not worry about it. I don't think Football Index is going anywhere. Completely agree. Patriots is key. As until we get into phase two, anyway, I believe. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. I do hope you've enjoyed the podcast and I hope you have a great week as well.